0: This is The Real Magic Podcast. Learn about great design and use it to get great results. Now your hosts, Greg Merrilies and Alan Nunez. Hello, listener, and thank you for joining Greg and I today for The Real Magic Design Podcast, where we try to unpack our experience to help designers and business owners understand how to create amazing designs and work together to make design that is profitable i am alan from pixel partners hq and here is my co-host
1: greg from studio one design hey how are you al i am awesome how are you doing greg doing good buddy doing good we've got a good topic today but before we get in what's been happening in your world It is going to be a good topic. Maybe a little controversial, but I'm looking forward to it. You know what?
0: I've just been on a really interesting journey. Mm -hmm. It's not a physical journey. I didn't go anywhere. But what I've been doing is I've been doing a ton of market research and copywriting. Now, I am not in any way, shape, or form a copywriter. I'm especially not a good copywriter. Um, However, what I've been trying to do is spend a ton of time uh, talking to and meeting with you know, my perfect customers, photographers, and graphic designers to understand the problems that they're having in their business. And I'm trying to formulate articles and, honestly, for lack of a better word, sales copy. I, I, I don't want salesy copy, but copy that, you know, a, a prospect will read and engage with and feel like, yes, he knows what my problem is and want to look further at the services that I provide with Pixel Partners and Creative Profit Academy. And it has been a ton of fun. Uh, Once I do my, uh, as Ed Dale calls it, my vomit draft, I'm going to then hand it over to a professional for them to pull
1: apart and put back together
0: in a much, much better
1: format for the copy. Yeah, I love it, man. That's um, that's yeah, kind of on a parallel with me at the moment. I haven't been so much researching, but just doing for my t-shirt design business. We've just released a, a sales page for that, and yeah, I did my own copy for the VSL and and put it all together myself. It could be improved, but it's certainly um, you know a great start, and it's all based on. All the stuff that we've learned recently, I guess it's like a culmination of years of understanding and, and being around online marketers, but especially the most recent event that we both attended. So, yeah, just some great tips there. And, yeah, I'll, I'll report back in a, in a couple of weeks to let you know how that's going as well. Yeah, killer. A lot of the copy that I'm writing, I am going to
0: use com- components of it or parts of it as is until the writer oh. tweaks it because I think it's better out than perfect. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's definitely some gold in there. And I, and I think for anybody who's you who know, struggles with writing their own copy, like, like I do, it doesn't have to be perfect. You know, you just need to be
1: customer-focused. So You do, indeed. Yeah, you have to be able to prove that you can solve their problem. Awesome. Now, let's get into
0: this topic. And, you know, for our listener, we normally take some, some notes in and around what we're going to talk about prior to recording. But this time we've decided to sort of just go for a bit of a, a free record. Um, we've got some questions that we're going to pose and Greg and I are just going to come out with whatever we come out with. So here's the question, right? Who is responsible for bad design? You know, And, and the reason I ask it is I'm not accusing anybody, but I'm asking the, uh, the question, you know, are we as designers just as order takers or are we acting as highly valued service professionals right so to lead into that greg have you ever got to the end of a design job looked at it and thought "Mm,
1: this could have been better (laughs) you know what as a like an artist i guess most artists and designers probably always look back at their work and can find room for improvement however In this case, if, I mean, that's really talking about your own artwork and your own designs, but when you're working for a client, you're working to a budget, a a timeline, and in my opinion, you've just got to get to a point where you're happy with it. Um, Even if you do think it could be better, I think there's a point where you've got to go, right, this is definitely good enough, let's just get it out there. Look, I mean, we just said out is better than perfect. I I guess where I'm
0: going with this is that through the design process, you know, it seems to me, and please, designers, I'm willing to take feedback on this, and I mean no criticism, but we we tend to be highly creative at the beginning when we're getting the brief and putting together concepts and presenting that first proof to a client, and then once client feedback starts coming in, we go off on all kinds of horrible tangents because... I don't know why, you know, because the, the client demands that they want it a particular way or they need it a particular way or there's, mm. you know, certain elements that that they f- they feel they have to have. And often, and again, no offence to the clients, uh, I'm going to stop apologising, by the way, because I'm just going to go with my opinion. And if you're, <laughs> if you're offended, that's okay, right? But, you know, clients, you often ask for things that are just quite simply not required, right? And nobody's asking the question, Why are you putting this in? You know, often it's ego-driven, it's self-indulging, you know. Oh, we want to tell people that we're the best. Well, you know, the customer often doesn't want to know that you're the best. Give an example. Oh, caught me on the spot. Okay. So, (laughs) you you know, a lot of people write copy for brochures and the headline is
1: product-centric, not customer-centric. Yep, understood. So it might be how great their product is. Not not what the benefits are to the prospect or whatever. We,
0: we make the best X, Y, Z widget. Mm. Well, you know what? What does that widget do for me? Right? Yeah. And even if it is the best, is it going to solve my current problem? You know, so copy is an example of that, right? Another one that I've seen a lot recently is really crappy graphics. You know, graphs charts, diagrams that are taken out of badly made PowerPoint displays and then used in marketing. And the the client's not willing to put the extra effort in to really bring that in line with the messaging that
1: they've got. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. So it's really a grey area. And I think that if you have a system and a process in place, then I would say that you know, the majority of the time, it's it's not going to be a bad design. However, you know, there's a lot of personalities in at play, whether it's um, you know the the client or or even you know the designer on the job and and what the brief is as well and how well they've answered. Let's say if you've got a, a questionnaire as part of the process, how well the clients answered that questionnaire. But yeah, you can get a lot of different results, and it could be from. You know, good to great to sometimes poor and everything in between. I think a lot of it's got to do with personality. Uh,
0: look, I think it does, but uh, I think it's also it's also about respecting the designer as a high quality service professional, right? And really listening to what they're saying. And and um, I mean, look, we we did two jobs recently, right? One where uh, we advised the this was for a for an ebook. Right. One, both, both were for, for ebooks. One, we advised the client that the supplied images were not in line with the brand, so the photos. And the second thing was that the diagrams that she had supplied really did not portray the quality of the work that she was doing. Right. Mm-hmm. And she said, no, nah, that's what I want to use right so we were forced to put a design together where our design skills and our design work was impacted the overall quality of the uh, and conversion potential of the ebook was brought down because of those elements right whereas on the flip side we've got another client doing another ebook where when we made the same suggestions she's like oh fantastic can you help me fix this problem yeah right. Yes, of course we can. It'll only cost you X Y Z for us to hunt down images that are in line with your brand. And per graphic, it's going to cost you, you know, fifteen dollars for the simple uh, graphs and diagrams, and sixty dollars for the the complex ones. So it's going to add a few hundred dollars to your job. Yet the output was just phenomenal. You know, mm-hmm. the it changed the whole dynamic of the of the
1: design. So there's a couple of things that from my point of view, just listen in. I think one is when we have brought this up on other episodes, if you have a style guide, you're going to get a better result that resonates with your brand from the start, you know? And so it sounds like this client didn't have a style guide and just had to kind of, you know, make things up as you went. So that would have made it a little bit harder. Realistically, it sounds like the other issue is that one client was willing to invest to get a better result and the other one wasn't.
0: Yeah, I think it's just respecting them as a, as a service professional. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, listen, if you go and uh, hire a lawyer, you're not going to tell the lawyer how to do his job. You know, the lawyer's going to ask you a series of questions that he needs information for. You're going to give him that information honestly. He's going to make a recommendation and you're going you're gonna to go with that recommendation, you know. Mm-hmm. If you go in for brain surgery, you're not going to be sitting there right up until the last minute saying, you know, I want you to do it this way right? You're going to take the advice of these professionals, yet in design, for some reason, you know, either it's designed by committee from the client's point of view, and everybody has, has to put their two cents worth in, or it's people wanting design, and because they're constantly exposed to great design, they think they know great design, yet they're asking for elements that draw away
1: from great design, not towards. Okay. Well, at what point do you think we lose momentum as a design job goes off track because a client is asking for additional, uh, I guess, just anything that's out of scope that, you know, could affect the impact of the design and, and the conversion quality. Look, I've been thinking a lot about this, Greg, right? <laughs> I, I
0: I don't – it's not necessarily out of scope, firstly, right? But I think it's – But it could be. It could be out of scope, but it's easy for a designer to say no when it's out of scope. But when it's still in scope, but it's impacting on the design. So, for example, we did a bumper sticker Job for a local business uh, recently, and it went through the design team. The client was very happy with it. When I say the client, the person we were liaising with within that business was very happy with it. And I caught it before it went to print, and I was just mortified because this client had asked for a ton of information to be put on this tiny bumper sticker that was doing nothing for their brand. Mm -hmm. It was doing. It was illegible. You know, it looked great on screen, but there's no way it was going to do anything on the back of a car. Sure. Right? So I halted that. I revised it. I looked at what the purpose was, and I took it to him and to layer up, and the result was far better the second time around. Now, who's at fault, right? Well, when the original design was mocked up, there were all these parameters that really shouldn't have been there. So, my, you know, I think in the in this case, in the initial brief, and in the iterations, the, the the changes process, the designer was just taking an order mm-hmm. and not actually stopping and saying, hang on a minute, this is a bumper sticker. We can't have four or five lines of text on it. Yeah. You know. So I think that there are two points where we lose momentum. It's with a bad design brief. And you and I have talked about this a lot in the past, it's when a design brief and, – and, look, I've had one of these recently where we had to make three posters for three key initiatives. The design brief was terrible. I knew it was terrible, yet I kept moving forwards with it, thinking we can solve this as we go. And the job has dragged on for weeks for such a simple job. And it's still know. going. And it is still going, unfortunately. <laughs> and it's changed multiple times. Now, that's okay. The client's paying for that because it's now gone off brief. But, you know, they keep adding things you know, wanting things,
1: and it just... Yeah, well, I see what you're saying. Like, I've got an example as well, and the question is, at what point do you think we lose momentum, you know? And, like, if I can think of an example where we had a client that ordered a website design office, and just like, you know, 100 other clients, you're always going to get one. It sort of brings back to my point earlier. It comes down to personality. Like, we've got 10 designers currently, And, you know, 99% of the time clients love our work, but in this case, we did an amazing design, you know, round one and submitted to the client and the client absolutely hated it and then started getting involved. And we had, you know, numerous calls that the team did with, with the client. And uh, it turns out about five rounds of revisions later, it started looking like her original website, the one that we thought was terrible (laughs) and and wanted to replace. And I just jumped in and I I, honestly, I, I couldn't stand the way this thing was heading. And the designers were trying to push back. They were doing everything that I would have done. And the results just kept getting worse and worse. And so at what point... Um, And this sort of relates to the question, did we decide to say enough's enough? And from my point of view, there is no, there is no solid black and white. It's always a gray area and it comes down to, do you think you're going to get a result if you keep pushing forward? In this case, I would say due to the client's personality or the personality clash, whatever the case is, I knew we weren't going to get the result. So I just said enough's enough and uh, yeah, we just went our separate ways. Look, you know what?
0: It's interesting that you, what you talk about there with the revisions, right? Because I've discovered on the wholesale side of our business, Pixel Partners, So a couple of the examples I gave were my agency, you know, dealing one-on-one with clients. Mm-hmm. right uh, What I've discovered in Pixel Partners is if we go past revision three, right, then we've ha- we have to set off alarm bells. Because if we've gone past revision three, we have to ask the question, are we on track? right because if you've done three sets of changes to an initial design we should be pretty close to perfect and i'm not talking about you know change a phone number i'm talking about big hairy revisions where you know it's a partial adjustment to the design yeah i understood sure so we've had a few where, you know, I randomly go into – or I get a complaint from a client saying this is not going well. And I look in and we're up to revision seven. And I'm like, well, why are we keep making these revisions? Why haven't we gone back to the brief and asked the why question? Why isn't this working? Why aren't these – why isn't the client happy with what we've done? Because obviously something didn't go right in the process. Yeah, look, absolutely. You bring up a really interesting thing. You just said it was time for you to part ways. Yeah. With that, with that client. So I guess in a previous episode, we talked about that red velvet rope policy.
1: Yeah. And only
0: working with perfect customers who are willing to listen to you and, and respect you for your work. And right? hire you because you're the expert, like you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Well, you know, should we be, as designers, should we be pushing back? I mean, or should we be walking away from jobs when a client
1: is just adamant that they don't want to listen to you as a service professional? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I believe it's it's sometimes hard to pick from the start, but there usually are little signs there. So if you really listen to your intuition, I think um, you can use that red velvet rope policy from the very beginning. I think you could probably
0: set the standard early too. I mean, there is absolutely nothing wrong with starting the conversation with a new client. As you know, you need to understand that I'm going to do everything in my power to create you an amazing design that converts. And to do that, I'm going to push back if I think that you're adding something that's not required.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, right?
0: Like the, <laughs> there's a there's an ad that's floating around on TV for Intel at the moment. Right. And this is, this is an example where I think, you know, uh, designed by committee and, you know, legal teams reviewing things and then a, a production company not pushing back, right, has really made a, what could have been a great ad really, really bad, right? So, you know, the ad is uh, they, they make the statement that, that their tablet, right, with the, with the processor, with, with the Intel processor, has three times the battery life right mm-hmm. and in at the bottom not in tiny print it's big and bold not big and bold but clear enough to read it says compared to a 5 year old system <laughs> right and there's an image of a child holding the the tablet and next to it it says screen image simulated what? right and i just it kills what could be a great message. I mean, this particular ad, it's the mum in the car and the child in the back holding the, the, the tablet. And, and the message is simple, right? You know, the message is that if you've still got an old tablet, if you buy one of our new ones, you're going to get three times the battery life, mm-hmm. which means that your child, right, will not be bugging you in the car when the battery runs out on the tablet. Yeah. Right? So there's the message. it has got good potential. It's got great potential, but they just got it completely wrong, (laughs) you know. Instead of saying that, they've said, oh, we've got, you know, they're shouting, we've got three times the battery life. And in fine print, which is not so fine, they're going, compared to a five-year-old system,
1: it's just disappointing, Mm -hmm. you know. And they should be concentrating on the benefits and really pushing that message.
0: Yeah, the what's in it for me, you know. Mm.
1: So I just think that's an
0: example of where design goes in the wrong direction Mm -hmm. you know i've had clients oh we need to have all this information and i'm like that's just statistical garbage that nobody cares about right and by adding in those those six or seven things you've ruined a really clean design that had a great message that had a beautiful flow and and took the viewer through a journey to a potential purchase hello to all of alan's clients out there he does love you (laughs) <laughs> Look, I, I'm talking about 20 years. Right? I'm a lot harder today if I'm doing client work than I was early in the earlier days in this industry. So what's right? shifted? The frustration. Because you want to get a better result. I want to get a great result for my client. So what I do is I, I, I pre-frame it now. I say, listen, you know, this is what I'm going to do for you. Now, if, you, if you're happy with that and you're happy for me to push back and you're happy for me to play devil's advocate and you're happy for me to just adamantly say, no, we don't need that in this design, and here's why. then work with me, right? If you don't, go and find somebody else.
1: But you always let them know why because it's essentially a benefit to them.
0: Oh, absolutely. I don't do anything and, and, and not tell them why we've done it because yeah. they need to understand the concept
1: behind why, behind why leaving something out or adding something in mm-hmm. is important you know? Yeah, absolutely. I love the fact that you do that, you know, rather than just say, you know, we're not doing it, be stubborn, you're telling them why. And really the outcome is to help them. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. know. Absolutely. And, And look, I think, I think what I'm getting at is, is that, you know, we really need to consider our position as a professional, right? Yeah. And I read an interesting, and don't quote me on this, right, but I read an interesting article the other day that that says there are actually more neurosurgeons in most major cities in the world than there are qualified professional illustrators. Wow. Right? Yet, you know, people devalue the advice that that designer or illustrator gives them. You know, there are there are more automotive mechanics, right? And you don't go in and devalue the work that an automotive mechanic does. You certainly don't uh, – I mean, you don't work in – you don't walk into a a Mercedes dealership, right, and say, hey, listen, your service is going to cost me $700 and Joe's down the road is doing it for $350. Can you do it for $350? Yeah,
1: yeah. You
0: respect that there's got to be a difference – In the service that they're providing yeah absolutely and you certainly don't stand there and question everything the mechanic does when he's servicing your car so why why as service professionals do designers and illustrators put up with this kind of stuff
1: that's a good question i don't know man i think um yeah you've just got to like you said push back and position yourself as an expert so you attract the right clients
0: and be willing to say no i guess cool you know actually be willing to To turn around and go, look, this is not working. Yeah. This is is too painful. Um, I've given you great advice. You don't want to listen, so I'll give my advice to somebody who will listen.
1: Yeah, nice.
0: Awesome. So out of all of that, that was pretty good for a free flow conversation. Not too bad. (laughs) (laughs) Let's let the listener judge. (laughs) Oh, yes. Well, listener, please give us comments. Greg, what is your tip out of this conversation
1: yeah so i would say that you know from a designer's point of view have a good system and a process initially so that it eliminates the chance of a design going terribly wrong so that you're going to you know get the the best result possible in the shortest amount of time and then you want a good team to implement it as well definitely okay i've got a couple here
0: firstly is the idea of the red velvet rope possibly policy, Mm. you know, put some qualifying questions in place before you work with a client to see if they're willing and excited to take your advice. Yeah. Right. Set the scene early in the relationship. Like I said, you know, tell them that your job is to keep them on track and not let them screw up a great design. Right. Mm. And, um, you know, finally, you know, have a, Warning gauge, a temperature gauge, you know that that puts a halt to all work. So in Toyota, they've got the uh, they've got a cord through their factory, right? And at any time, any team member, if they think there's a problem at their point in the production, they can pull on this cord, and the entire production line stops until that problem's fixed. Wow! Right? So have that. So at Pixel Partners, we have a three revision warning now. Right, so if we've got to revision three and there's another revision coming, we stop the job. We ask the why questions. We say, Well, why are we doing more revisions? Are they just simple little things that just need to be adjusted because the copy has been edited, or you know, there's been a mistake in a name, or a phone number, or an address? That's fine, right? Are we making design changes? If we're making design changes, what was the brief? and why the design change is being made. Have we missed something as professionals, or do we need to give our client
1: further advice? Mm-hmm. What do you reckon? Yeah, no, they're, they're killer, killer tips, man. I'm taking notes myself. <laughs> awesome. Well, look, I hope this was valuable. Uh, listener, thank you so
0: much for joining us today uh, on The Real Magic. Please go to therealmagic.com and sign up so that we can let you know when new episodes are out, and we would love some res- reviews on uh On iTunes. So jump across there and and give us some reviews, good or bad. We'll
1: take them. (laughs) We'll take anything. We prefer good. Yeah, you got it. Well, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time on TheRealMagic.com. See you, Greg. See you, buddy. Thanks for listening to The Real Magic Podcast. Hear more at TheRealMagic.com.